So good evening. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim, and I'm on staff team here. And together, let's, um, let's paint a picture. Imagine that you're a Jew living 2,000 years ago, and in the dusty heat of Jerusalem, you've gathered with the other people of God to celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles. And this is a really significant festival. There are seven such festivals a year. And they remember what God has done in your community. And this is a day full of ritual significance. So one of the rituals is that the people of God camp outside the city walls. They camp in tents, tabernacles. And they do so to remind themselves of the time when the people of God camped in the wilderness. But then also, every day, a a priest will go to the pool of Siloam and draw forth water in a big golden picture, pitcher, and then they procession to that temple, and everyone will chant, come behind him singing Isaiah 12, chanting, with joy we will draw water from the wells of salvation. And then as the priest comes into the temple, imagine a procession through this place. He comes to the altar at the top of the building, and he pours out the water. And this happened every day for eight days. And this is the scene that we find ourselves in because it is this scene that Jesus finds something building up in him to say. As he sits there, as he watches this, a message is stirring within him. And it's our passage today. And here's what he says. He says, I know what it means to have real provision. And I know what it means to have real life. I know what the true rock is. I know what real water is. I know what will really satisfy you. Because the Jews were commemorating and remembering a time where Moses struck a rock and water poured forth. And this was in the desert place where they were literally dying of thirst. And in this moment they were saved because they drank the water. And they're remembering this in the ceremony. But Jesus has to stand up and he has to say, I know who the real water of life is. I know where that comes from. And he will say, come to me and living water will flow from you. Living water, not just the satisfaction of physical thirst, but a life-giving encounter that satisfies the very deepest longings of your heart. And here he is talking about the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And we're in a little series here in the run up to Pentecost, which is where we celebrate the pouring of the Spirit on the early church. And we've been doing it through looking at the stories of Jesus. And today, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit. And he says, come to me and drink, receive the Spirit. And then he says, and all who believe, that Spirit will become like a spring in them, welling up. And we're reminded of what Josh spoke about last week, where uh, Jesus met the woman at the well. And Jesus says to us, just as he did to those people, that we must be people who depend on the Holy Spirit. What does the Christian life look like? What does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to try and be a Christian, to try and walk with God? Is it to believe the right stuff? Is it to do the right stuff? Is it to have an upright and moral life? Is Christianity a social vision? Is it a moral vision? Of course, it's all those things, isn't it? It's all those things that God calls us into. And yet what Jesus shows us is that it begins with God's Spirit, The Spirit is the source and sustaining power of our life in God. In fact, all those things we do, the moral vision, the good living, the things we want to do that please God, the things that we seek, that must be quickened by God's Spirit. Come to me, Jesus says. 
And as Jesus stands up for this Jewish community, he declares an invitation and he makes a promise. An invitation and a promise. And as I ask that question, what does it look like to be a Christian? What does it look like to follow Jesus? We can see what Jesus says to us tonight. Firstly, Jesus' invitation. Verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. An invitation. Now, if you're anything like me, I love a good invitation. Don't you love it? Don't you like being invited to parties and to dinner? And like the text saying, hey, do you want to go and get a pint at the pub? One of my favorite things to be invited to is when someone asks me to try a bit of the meat before it's cooked. To test if it's cooked. I'm having a roast. Happened at Christmas. Mum's cooking lamb. Tim, do you want to try this? Absolutely yes, please. I love being invited to do that. Another thing I love being invited to do is go to a wedding. I'm going to two this summer. I'm a young Christian, so obviously I'm going to weddings. And I've been invited to two this summer. And I love getting those invitations through the door. It just fills me with joy and excitement for that day to come. And I wonder if you feel the same about being invited to good things. The Christian life begins with an invitation. It doesn't begin with a command. It doesn't begin with a do. It begins with a come to me. God's uh, first thing he says to us is come to me. Not do, as I say, but come to me. Has anyone seen Bruce Almighty? And there is a scene where Bruce and God, Morgan Freeman, are sat in the cafe. And Bruce has just parted the waters of his bowl of soup in front of him. It's hilarious. And then it's almost a throwaway line. But Morgan Freeman, as God, the voice of God, says, come, take a closer walk with me. It's almost that you'd almost miss it. Come, take a closer walk with me. I love that. And it just points to the invitation we have in God. The invitation we have to come and walk with God. So what is Christ's invitation? Well, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And this reference to water here is the culmination of a series of water references throughout the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist baptizes with water. Chapter 2, water is turned into wine. Chapter 3, Jesus talks about the water of the new birth. Chapter 4, there is the reference to living water that we saw last week. In chapter 5, there is the cleansing water of Bethsaida. In chapter 6, the calming of the waters. And now, as the pinnacle of those, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink, and living water will flow from you. And what do we see about this invitation? Well, it begins, he begins by saying, Let anyone come. The welcome of God is to anyone, it is to saint and sinner, it is to mother and murderer. It is to those who are the least and the very best in society. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, he spent his time with those people who were lost, who were most outcast in society. He spent his time with the leper, those with skin diseases that meant they were outcast. He spent his time with the tax collector. He spent his time with the prostitute. Let anyone come, and he really means it. You can see it in his life, and he says it to us today. And to not put too fine upon it, and with all respect to the horrible events that happened this week. Jesus came and he died for people like suicide bombers. His invitation is to the very worst people that we can think of. Let anyone come, he says. Let anyone come. Such is the generosity of God. 
Such is the generosity of God. Let anyone come, he says. Who is thirsty? Thirsty, that's an interesting phrase. Because he's, I think he's both talking about a human condition and a specific need. A human condition. I think it is to be human, is to thirst. It is to seek satisfaction. It's to seek meaning. It's to seek significance. It's to seek our identity. This is what we do. And we do it in so many different ways. We do it through our jobs. And we do it through relationships. And we do it through things. And I see it in, I see it in my life. I see it in other people's lives. We've set goals Hashtag goals, that is now a thing. You can see people post it. They'll be on, you know, get away with their cigar. And they'll be like, hashtag goals, hashtag vacation. And um, we do it, don't we? We say, hey, this is the thing I'm after. I've made it. You know, they're posting the picture by the pool. I've made it. Goals. There we go. But we do it with our lives, don't we? Ah, if I get a house, I'll move into London, get enough money to move out of London. And then I get a house. Okay, if I find a partner, okay, if I find a spouse, then... I have arrived. That is the moment. Oh, and then if I have kids, well, there we go. And so on it goes. And Jesus says those things, good as they may be, and sent from God even, they will not satisfy ultimately. When he speaks to the woman at the well in John 4, he talks about physical water and then the water that he gives, which is the Spirit. And he says the water that you drink here, that will leave you thirsty again. But the water I give you means you will never thirst. As he talks about the Holy Spirit, as God pours his spirit into us, God's very presence in us and with us, we find the deepest longing, the thing that we've been searching for. To be human is to seek satisfaction. And in the spirit, the living water that Jesus offers, we find that satisfaction. So that's the human need. That's the human condition. But secondly, as Jesus talks about thirst, I think he's talking about a specific thirst for God. He's talking about a need for God, recognizing a need for God, recognizing that those things we seek will not ultimately satisfy. And this might be as the first time as we become Christians, as actually we say, for the first time, God, I need you. Thank you that you died for me. I cannot save myself. I need you. But it might be as we go on. Do you th- and I, I speak to myself as much as I speak to us today. Do we thirst for God today? Are we hungry for the things of God? Are we so aware of our need for God? Do you need God? Absolutely. I need God more than yesterday. I need God. And yet I think in the West, I think as where our needs are so obviously met, we are full, um, to use another metaphor. Um, Danielle Strickland speaks about the church in the West, and she's someone who travels all, she works with the Salvation Army, she travels all the way around the world. And she sees many, many different churches. And she says of the church in the West, that it could be seen as being spiritually sleepy, spiritually asleep. Interesting picture. And then Pete Gregg, who also is someone else who travels around the world to speak, he says that he doesn't have to go to churches that are in the poorest parts of the world to tell the church leaders how to get more people to their prayer meetings. Because people in those areas need God. When they pray the prayer, Lord, give us today our daily bread, They really mean it. And so often I think we don't realize our need for God. We are not thirsty for him. C.S. Lewis said this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us 
like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is made by the offer of a holiday at the sea. I come and I give you living water, says Jesus. Do we know our need today? Are we thirsty for the things of God? And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Not church, as good as that is. And not a fellowship group, not a connect group. Not the latest worship CD. This isn't mediated by a priest or a sacrament, that is communion. What an amazing remembrance we're going to take in tonight of the price that Jesus paid. But Jesus didn't say, come to those things. He said, come to me. And of course, he couldn't mean those other things because they weren't, he hadn't instituted communion at that point. He says, come to me. The welcome is to encounter God, very God himself. And then he says, come to me and drink. And drink is an image of receiving something, receiving something into ourselves. And just as the waters that the Israelites drank in the wilderness gave life, so Jesus says, the water I have to give you will give you life. Nothing else satisfies, and it brings life. So the source of our walk with God, the source of what it is, the the thing that our Christian walk stems from, is God's Spirit that Jesus offers us. That is his invitation to all. Let anyone come. And then Jesus makes a promise. Verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And this verse echoes what Jesus says to the woman at the well, which we also have on our sheets from John 4, where he says, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water. This has really fascinating, wide-ranging, totally changing implications for our life. We are springs, not sponges. Do you want to say that with me? I am a spring and not a sponge. I am a spring and not a sponge. It's a change in mindset. So often I feel like a sponge in that, by that I mean I come to church and I come to the things, I um, come to my connect group, I come to my Bible and I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to receive. I want to get as much as I can, soak it all up, spend time with Christians. All the good stuff, by the way. I encourage you to do all those things. But Jesus actually says, what I give you is so significant that it will become in you like a spring of the very thing that you have been seeking. It is the source We are springs, not sponges. Because Jesus, when Jesus says, come to me and drink, he just doesn't mean a single drink. He doesn't get, you just get a sip. you You get a flowing river of the Spirit. And we get a spring dwelling up inside us because the spring maker, the river maker, has come to dwell within. This is what Jesus promises. He says, when you come to me and drink, you receive me by the Spirit. And now, I, since I am living in you, such is my goodness that I want to pour out of you by my Spirit. The psalmist knew this. All my fountains are in you. All the good things I have. All my delight is in you. And this means, be encouraged today, take heart. Because it means that living for God is not some kind of great spiritual effort or battle, even though it can certainly feel like that. Being walking for God, being trying to be a Christian is not just effort on our part. It is, in fact, the gift and blessing of Jesus that is enabled by the Spirit. We are springs, not sponges, and that suggests something else. That God puts his Spirit in us for our sake, and then it flows from us for the sake of others. 
God puts his spirit in us for our sake and it flows from us for the sake of others. Bill Johnson says this, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but on me for yours. And he talks about the time that the Holy Spirit descends like, on Jesus like a dove. And there's a little throwaway line in John where it says, and he remained. And he remained. The Holy Spirit is in all of us, as we learned a few weeks ago. If you're a Holy Spirit, you can only say that Jesus is Lord by the Spirit. This is why I think we can get a bit confused as we talk about the Holy Spirit, because we often think, does that mean something to do with miracles? And does that mean something to do with the supernatural? We can only come to God because of the Holy Spirit in the first place. And yet it's not supposed to remain like that. We are springs and not sponges. This is God's intention for us, that just as our thirst has been quenched, just as we have received life, so we might be the people who bring life to others. Now, I'm looking for the Sunday school answer to this question. But who did Jesus say was, or who is the light of the world? Jesus, come on, preach. Who is the light of the world? Jesus. And we know that, and we can sort of, we sing about that light of the world. And yet, what did Jesus say about us? He said, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Jesus is the light of the world, but he says, you are the light of the world. And he can say that because we, he is in us by the Spirit. We pray things, don't we? We pray for situations to change. We pray for things like horrendous scenarios like Manchester, thanks kind of things. We say, Lord, move. Lord, have mercy. Lord, change that situation. And so often, God says, you are the answer to your own prayer. You are my hands and my feet. We are the body of Christ, Paul will say in 1 Corinthians. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. And it is because we have the Holy Spirit, and not just as a one-time offer, not just as a limited supply, but we have a spring of eternal life welling up in us. Now, what if this isn't our experience? Because I know that I far more feel like I'm a sponge than I am a spring. Well, first off, I want to suggest that we need to come to Jesus. Always, again and again, day by day, come to me, Jesus says, and drink. Come to me and drink. Are we seeking God? Are we aware of that need for God? That's firstly. And secondly, I encourage you to try and do things that you can't do in your own strength. What are you doing in your life right now that requires God to pull through? What are you doing that if God didn't show up, you'd look like a total fool or you'd fall flat on your face? Maybe it's got to do with your giving. Are you giving more? Are you giving radically and sacrificially? Has God called you to go and um, minister to people in your workplace and to be a light there? In fact, is God calling you to go and do some ministry somewhere? Is God calling you to pray for people in the power of the Spirit? One of the best ways, I think, to try and realize your need for God is to try and do the things that Jesus did. To try and minister to people in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've never been more aware of my need for God to um, move than when I'm praying. We pray for people for healing earlier. I cannot do that. We cannot do that. We cannot heal people. But God can. And so as we seek these things where we say, God, if you don't pull, pull through here, if you don't make this happen, we absolutely realize our need for him. But the promise of God is, is I'm always with you. And I've put my life in you in such a way that it is like a spring, ever flowing, not a sponge, to try and soak up everything you've got, but the actual source of God's life, which is his Holy Spirit. 
And now why can I say this with such confidence? Well, it's because what Jesus talks about in verse, sorry, what John talks about in verse 39. And in verse 39, John will say that the Spirit hadn't yet been given because Jesus hadn't yet been glorified. Jesus is the thing that secured this for us. Just as Moses struck a rock in the desert and so poured forth water, so Jesus was struck, not in the desert, but in the wilderness of Golgotha. And as he was pierced, it wasn't just water that flowed, but water and blood. And Jesus died for us. He was buried. He was raised to life. And he has ascended and he is now seated as the King of heaven above all things for all time, forever and ever. Amen. And because of that, his spirit has now been poured out. Jesus said, it was actually better for me to go that the spirit who is the comforter might be with you. And such is the radical nature of God's Holy Spirit poured out in us. It is not just with us for a one-time offer, but it is to live within us and flow out of us. Springs, not sponges, because of the grace of God at work in us.